The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony Utah Opera Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Today's guest needs no introduction, so I will dispense with that formality. Maestro Thierry Fisher has been on the podcast at least three times, I think, Thierry. This is probably your fourth visit, and I really, really hope it's not your last, given the context we're discussing today. First of all, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Very happy to be with both of you today. Well, as we record, you're in your very final week as Utah Symphony Music Director, and you're rehearsing Mahler's Third Symphony. One of my favorite memories of your time here in Utah will always be that Mahler Symphony cycle. I love Mahler, and just to get to hear all the symphonies. How does it feel to say goodbye with this piece and with this composer? I will probably not give you the answer you're expecting, but, you know, after such a long tenure, so many things happen, so much work has been done individually, collectively, to achieve uh, what we can witness every week now on stage with this wonderful orchestra. So I prepared myself, of course, mentally, you know, to be in those last week. And then the best advice I could give to myself is to tell me this is a very normal week. So honestly, you know, I'm very happy to do this piece. I'm more than happy. Come on, Mal 3. I mean, it's a, but for me, it's it's a normal week, you know. And accidentally, it's the last week, you know, which it's uh, it's a choice I've made and it's the right one. I mean, we can probably talk about it a bit later. I'm sure you will uh, be interested of, of that. But, you know, I, I approached this week, this morning, first rehearsal. I had a normal breakfast. I arrived, parked at the same place. You know, and I arrived, said good morning to the orchestra, and we started Mallet 3, and I started to rehearse what needed to be rehearsed. And this is the way I approached this last week. Thierry, it does make a certain sense to me that it is Mahler that you end with. Uh, as somebody who's watched your 14 years here with great interest and watched how much you've done with the orchestra, I know that Mahler has been a big part of that. So even though it's a normal week to you, it's special to those of us that are going to be in the audience because you, Mahler, Utah Symphony, it's just natural. Yeah, it is. And of course, the choice of Mahler's three is not innocent. You know, it's a... Uh, it's one of the longest goodbyes in music, really. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, and it's it's a positive goodbye because right. Mahler three, I don't know if we'll talk about the piece, but, you know, it's it, it's like I often compare Mahler three to Haydn's creation. You know, it starts with the telluric forces of the earth, you know, with this huge, like, giant dragoon symbolized by the trombone, you know, arriving, putting things, elements together. It's all about elements, the first movement. And then you have the flowers, the trees, then the little birds, and life is coming. But after a long time, first movement is 35 minutes. And then the fourth movement is the, the human presence, you know. And the fifth movement is the angels, symbolized by the children choir. And the last movement is is a message of love and hope and gratitude. So, you know, what a better <laughs> ending. And, of course, when we finally... I was going back and forth with different pieces for the last week. And uh, what made me finally choose for Mahler three is also because of the history of the Utah Symphony. 
Abravanel, as we all know, um, the, the, the first conductor with an American orchestra to record all the symphonies with the same orchestra. So Mahler has been in the DNA of the orchestra more than 30 years ago. And that's one of the reasons we decided to do a cycle over two years for the 75th anniversary of the organization. It was to honor Maurice Abravanel's legacy as well. So of course I was thinking of him uh, when we decided to do this piece. And also I was looking for a piece which is not a goodbye or too nostalgic or too romantic or too on purpose, not emotional or whatever. Uh, because, uh, you know, life goes on. You know, of course now this week everybody says, oh my gosh, it's tears last week. And uh, But for me, it's, it's not any feeling of last whatever. For me, it's, it's so normal. I spent 14 years here. Um, I said to many people already, I was extremely happy and motivated to be appointed here 14 years ago. I was, you know, very much looking forward to have an American experience. And I loved every single day of my tenure here, despite the ups and the downs, which were absolutely inevitable if we build something, you know. And now I'm equally happy to leave because it's the right time. You know, what would be the point to continue? All the artistic decisions I've taken since I arrived were based on giving the possibility to the organization to be even better when I leave. That's what I call leadership. It's not only what you do, and especially not for yourself, but you act and decide and motivate for a collective, and then you create the tools for the collective to be even greater as soon as you're out of office. So that, that has guided me over the 14 years. And now I really strongly feel that artistically, the orchestra is more than ready to embrace new challenges with a new, hopefully, as strong personality as possible to take over and to write the 14 O-plus uh, years of the artistic journey of this wonderful orchestra. Certainly, you have left this place better than you found it. There's absolutely no question about that. So I thank you as somebody who has spent a lot of time in this company, both behind the scenes and in the audience. But I am going to make you keep thinking about the past 14 years, even though you say you don't want to do it. And in addition to Mahler, I'm curious what other projects and experiences you're going to remember most from your time here. I'm going to also tell you some of mine, and so is Carol as we talk today. But I'm remembering a hike you and I took to Delicate Arch where we talked about how much we needed to make Olivia Messian a big part of this orchestra. And I remember how excited we were way back then. And you've done that. You made that happen. I wasn't here to get to see it except in the audience. But... I know that there are memories like that from your last 14 years. Can you just give us a couple? Sure. <laughs> Sorry if I took one of them. <laughs> no, it's okay. It was, it's one of the one I will, of course, remember before others. But, but honestly, I, I will give you a few examples. But really, in my mind, my first answer is, is I remember the building of the organization. That's what I will remember. And the great spirit we managed to create uh, on stage. Uh, again, when you're a music director, uh, the first mistake you, you could do is to try to be loved by everybody. So this, when you're a music director, you have to... F I decided to forget it since day one mm -hmm. because there was so much to do. If I started to make decisions to please people, you know, I think 
probably I would not be here today anymore, and the orchestra would not be at the level they are. So um, that's what come to my mind, is how we build together. So making big cycles with the orchestra. We did two Beethoven cycles, Mahler cycle, uh, Mendelssohn cycle, Brahms cycle, Charles Ives cycle, all the Brandenburg, uh, etc. We commissioned, I did not count because I'm not this kind of, of personality, needed to have a number of what I've done, but numerous of uh, commissions to both American composers and, and European composers. Uh, we toured, I was very involved in the community, which is one of the things the board asked me when they appointed me. They say, you know, it's here in America, it's, it's a community orchestra. It's not like in Europe, you know, it's the, it's the orchestra of the people who are actually funding it. And they, they need to, to see you in the community. And so I was very active, uh, you know, in different schools, in different projects, and to, to get to know and to learn from this wonderful community. You know, you, uh, I, I came here wanting to learn, you know, and I really did much more than I... I was expecting. Um, also, I remember all the recordings we did. Luckily, I managed to bring um, a very great uh, recording label, Hyperion, to be interested to us here in, in Utah. So we recorded all the Saint-Saëns, we recorded Saint-Saëns symphonies, we recorded, of course, this latest recording we've done from the canyons to the stars, we recorded Mali 8 for reference record, we recorded uh, some progressive music. We recorded Mala One just to, you know, to. It's probably not something is which is unforgettable uh, musically, but it's absolutely unforgettable. It what it meant for the musicians who suddenly said, "Oh my gosh, uh, we'd better be at the best we can." <laughs> so you know, I managed to do strategically every moment, you know, every two months, six months, every season, some huge challenges with both the choice of repertoire. To, to make um, all the musicians realize that um, they are not individual people. They are the sound of the orchestra. Every individuality is becoming the sound of the collective. This is something I strongly believe in. So all the challenges I gave them with the choice of repertoire, with my way of rehearsing, uh, because when you build, you know, you build, it's like an odyssey. You know, it's not funny every day, but the end result matters much more than what you have to struggle on the moment. So I always enjoyed being a little bit motivating the whole organization in the staff as well, you know, you know, to think higher uh, and not to get people depressed because we had problems. Of course, we had problems over 14 years. I'm not Heineken and I speak with pleasure about it and I'm even proud you know, that we had problems because problems made us better as a collective. So that's this whole philosophy of leadership, which I have been to develop during these 14 years and brought me a deep joy, especially when I hear the orchestra now and this, this kind of culture we have about the sound care, the, the balance, the listening to each other. Uh, one of the biggest challenges I had because I arrived at the time exactly the same challenge Maurice Abravanel had when he arrived. There was a big turnover. Uh, Abravanel appointed, I don't know, maybe as many musicians as I did, I appointed more than 50, 55. I, again, I didn't count, but more than two-thirds of the orchestra over, over 14 years. 
it's just natural turnover every 30, 30 years. You know, every, in 30 years, a successor will have to do the same. Um, and uh, so the challenge, uh, which actually I was fascinated by, was how to make these newcomers to the orchestra coming out of music colleges, you know, arriving with all these extremely experienced musicians who bring also a lot of wisdom, lots of experience, lots of comfort and knowledge and no panic, you know, you know, playing together with the same urge. So an urge from the new coming, you know, people a little bit excited and a calm urge from the experienced people. How to balance these two generations, you know, and it, too, it took over, you know, but we, in my way of rehearsing and showing my body language um, was very strategically chosen by me, you know. The, basically, the first years, my strategy that if I want to achieve an orchestra which can have a deep sound with a lot of variety and extreme and radical colors, um, I have to be more hard than I am really as a person to put the orchestra in the situation they don't have any choice. And what, one, this is achieved, then I was able to invite guest conductors who had this dimension that they deserved, needed, and then slowly I was able to increase the level of the guest conductors. We had incredibly high level uh, guest artists here Sorry, it's a long answer to your question, Jeff, but everything is connected. 14 years as a music director is is an is a immense conjunction of elements, both artistic, strategic, human, the leadership, how you look at the people on and off stage, how you speak with the staff, how you go to an executive meeting, uh, or to the board, or or to the you know and all the stage setting or to the marketing so you know everything is 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 connected so these connections and multiple task activity in the entire organization has been something incredibly rewarding over the years well you have really i think um taken life in utah with both hands you know talk about your you live many places your home is in geneva but uh you really connected with the community, and I think you've been an amazing ambassador, not just for the organization and an amazing leader, but also for the state of Utah, uh, taking a Utah cultural organization to Carnegie Hall and saying, look at this amazing thing we have in this state. So what advice, this is a much lighter topic, what advice would you give someone who was visiting Utah? What would you tell him not to miss? I would first tell him, don't stay in Salt Lake and go to Moab and Zion and Bryce Canyon. Uh, just to breathe, you know, and then come back. Go to the symphony, come on. Go to the Utah Jazz. Go to the opera. Go to the Pioneer Theater. Go to Eccles Theater. Go to great restaurants. You know, the city grew so, so much in 14 years. I'm still discovering restaurants this week. It's my last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a city which has a level of quality of life which is... Uh, unique in America. It's you know, one we of are, the best kept secrets. We, we, it's top secret, but in a way I wish the, you know, they didn't build this airport because now many more people will come. You know, <laughs> this new airport. I mean, of course, I'm the first happy because I use the airport a lot, but um, you know, what I liked in Salt Lake from day one is that you know the quality of life, 
We're close to the Rocky Mountains. We're surrounded by beautiful nature. In a half an hour from my house, I could be on my skis, going skiing in the afternoon after the rehearsal, hiking in beautiful, you know, um, uh, places, canyons, you know, and then eat, uh, you know, brunch at Sundance, you know, up there, just a half an hour, 40 minutes drive and go to Park City and 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 go to L.A. just to see one concert because I had a colleague go and fly in the morning, come back, you know, and it's uni and being in, in a beautiful, yeah, a lot of sun, a lot of snow, a lot of wind, a lot of, you know, it's, I felt always in Salt Lake, in the elements, and it's something which I need in my life. But you should have heard my first reaction my, when my agent 16 years ago told me, Thierry, we have an offer from the Youth Symphony. They would love to have you for a week. I said, okay, uh, no, no way. Okay, what's, what's your ne next question? Okay, what do we have? And then I said, okay, uh, fine. And really, that's the way I reacted in... When was it, Jeff? In all probably six or seven. 2007, 2008. Yeah, yeah. We were getting that reaction from a lot of conductors around yeah. the world. It was a common reaction. And then, actually, I guess you insisted, Jeff. I did. Yeah. And my, my agent told me, you know what, the, this guy, Jeff, you know, he says, I don't know what you said, Jeff, but you, you are the man, you're the one who made it. Because, uh, she told me, you know, this guy, the way he talked to me about the orchestra, he he really asked me to ask you to reconsider. And I I did reconsider, not incredibly enthusiastically, but I thought, you know, why not? I it's it's one of these mystery moments in life, you see. You don't know why you decide because you are strongly against. And then, you know, because somebody sees you say, Oh, you reconsider. Why did I reconsider? No idea. Yeah. But that's beautiful in life. It's good to have these secrets. I will never have an answer about that, and I don't need one. Jeff, you again probably re-invited me immediately, like as soon as possible. And then I heard that the Oxford was looking for a music director, and I thought, yeah, maybe to give her a correct answer, I should go a second time. And then, um, and then, yeah, I, the, some board members were absolutely so visionary the way they were talking to me so Jeff you did all the first steps to get me here for two weeks and then the board mem members took over the board chair at the time Patricia Richard and they really told me you know what we want to, is to give you a mission you know we want this orchestra to shine we want the orchestra uh, that we can be you know proud of that it represents the the, the vision of excellence of the state and, you know, to be compared to the beautiful nature. We are making sounds and knocks, so they have to be as beautiful as, as the mountains here. I mean, it was this kind of metaphoric uh, talks we had. And then uh, I signed a very small contract because uh, the board members told me, you know, whatever you'll decide, we need massive changes, you know. Always back you up. I said, okay, too nice to be true. I signed only for two years. <laughs> you probably re remember that, Jeff. And then when I saw that they were completely behind me, then we extended and extended for 14 years. Yeah. And I never, as I said before, regretted. And I felt this mission and a very positive pressure that they wanted to make something of this orchestra. And uh, this probably corresponded very to my personality. I like making things happen. I, I like dreaming and make dreams possible. And it's what I said at the beginning when I have, 
you know, when I arrive, you know, you you start, you make your first decision, you give a lot of ideas and everybody tells you it's impossible, you know. And the more people told me it's impossible, the more motivated I was. And this, the more I said, you know, let's make possibilities in a world of impossibilities. You will see. You know, and it, it made my, you know, the way I was drinking my coffee in the morning, you know, it motivated me. This, this, it was probably both naive, intrepid, idealistic, utopian, you know, or, but this is probably me. I mean, surely. And um, yeah, and it's really, I remember these 14 years like a huge blue sky with sun and wind and, you know, having fun on ski slopes, I mean, symbolically, you know, just looking, being in the elements and creating something beautiful. I hope somebody describes me someday as a naive utopian. I like that. Very <laughs> <much>. <laughs> I like that very much. Obviously, 14 years is a long time. You've done amazing things. There's a lot to look back on. And we'll ask you to do that at least once more before we let you go. But what's next for you, Maestro? What's the next 14 years look like for you, do you think? I don't want to give you the answer again everybody wants to hear because I, I don't even know how to answer to you concretely. I mean, I'm already music director of two other orchestras. I'm building a massive project in Switzerland, which will last a long time about a Swiss composer. We are creating an orchestra there. and uh, But more importantly, the 14 next years, will be a resonance of this 14 years ending now. As a man, as a human being, as a musician, I learned so much building this organization that this will guide me in whatever I will be doing as a musician in the coming years. Uh, because you don't leave 14 years after so much you know, happening, like, okay, it's over, and you don't think about it anymore. Maybe I will not think about it because, as I said, I'm very happy to leave because I believe that in leadership you have to know when you leave. So it's, it's a no-brainer. Should I have stayed more? Absolutely not. I'm so clear about this. Um, and it's a privilege to be able to leave, you know, when you think it's a good moment and uh, no frustration at all. Um, so... In the 14 years, this, this Utah experiences will influence and make me think with probably a little bit more a mature approach in the next challenges that I, will, I have started already to, to take. Well, I know that, um, you know, we, we walk backstage and we see those portraits of the music directors of Utah Symphony and there'll be more to be added but yours right now is the last one on the wall. And I, I just love that um, this podcast gives us more things to think about, this, this chat we're having right now, as we think about what you brought to Utah, what we remember. I remember events that we did together, operas we did together, concerts. But I also remember that first, one of the first concerts you did with the Berlioz Symphony Fantastique. It was before you were music director, and I heard this energy, and I heard promise in that. And so uh, I love that we can remember all those things when we think of the Thierry Fisher years. Carol mentioned opera before, and uh, I know that one of her favorite memories of your time here was working on Rake's Progress with you. Um, 
piece doesn't get done that often. It was a real triumph for Utah Opera. Let's pretend for a moment, Maestro, that we're able to talk you into coming back and doing an opera. Carol and I are both curious, what's on your personal list? What piece are you going to suggest if we are lucky enough to get a month's worth of time out of you in the future? Uh, for an opera? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would love to do a Strauss opera. Elektra or Rosenkavalier. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, or Come and Go by Heinz Holliger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or... Saint-François d'Assise by Messiaen. We have now such a history around Messiaen with Le Canyon and Tourangalila last week. That'll be an even. The whole world will talk about it. And <laughs> we will be on the planet Mars for six weeks of rehearsals. Absolutely. Uh, uh, that'll be amazing. <laughs> or um, a Mozart opera, you know, Figaro, Idomeneo, or Figaro, probably. Figaro Cosi. Yeah. He's listing all of my favorites. Yeah. He knows you, Carol. He's got he's got me on his side. I'm ready. 14 years. He's been paying attention. He knows what we like. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thierry, this has been incredible talking to you today. I hope it's not the last time you're on this podcast. I hope we find reasons in the future to talk with you, uh, maybe about one of these opera projects, but maybe something else. Who knows? I know you're going to stay very busy, and I know you're going to be do thing, doing things that we're all going to be watching with great interest. Before we say goodbye, one Last question, and I promise this is the last one. And I think all of Utah is waiting to hear this answer. Do you promise right here, right now, to forever remain a jazz fan? <laughs> of course, yes. Okay. Good. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, that was fun to go to the jazz game, you know, luckily. Uh, this this was something I learned a lot about. Did you care much about American basketball before you came to the States? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's one of the greatest sports in Ever. the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I enjoy even going with my wife, who is not somebody who particularly loves to go to stadiums and everything. But every time we say, okay, who are the jazz playing this week? Can we go? Can we not go? We organize our schedule, dinner schedule around the jazz schedule. Yeah, of course. Come what are you going to do when you don't have your pickup truck anymore? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, the pickup truck, we're going to sell it. Okay. Yeah, yeah so. we, we were thinking of taking it to Switzerland, but probably the streets are a little bit too. I could never park there. So, yeah. <laughs> Let it stay Absolutely. in Utah. Yeah. Let it stay in Utah. Well, uh, yeah. we are, we're not going to say goodbye. We're going to say au revoir because uh, we know we'll maintain connections and uh, Hopefully that day will come soon that you can come back to Utah and revisit your orchestra. If you'd like to keep track of what Terry's up to with the other orchestras, be sure and follow him on Instagram at terryfisher.conductor. Terry, thank you. It was a great pleasure to speak to both of you. Thank you to everyone at home and on the go for listening today. If you haven't yet, it would really help us if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us to get more listeners. Be sure to visit usuo.org for information about upcoming performances. We hope to see you soon for a live performance. Until next time, I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Thanks for listening. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced and edited by Robert Bedont. The Utah Symphony Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.